Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could join us today. Our NPR Winter Member Drive continues today. And if you haven't already made a contribution or donation, you can give now at nprnews.org or call us at 800-227-2811. Now, you know, on Mondays, I like to talk about money. And so coming up in a few minutes, we're having a conversation about pay transparency and pay equity. Research shows that women on average make less money than men and people of color make less than white people. But what if we made talking about our paychecks normal? Could that change the pay gap? Did you know that under Minnesota law that workers can disclose their wages and their employers can't punish them? This hour, we're going to be talking about pay transparency, how to get comfortable talking about money, and the pros and cons of putting your paycheck in the spotlight. But first, let's get an update on the latest economic news, as we do each Monday. NPR's senior economic contributor, Chris Farrell, is here. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. I'm not going to ask you how much money you make. Okay. So we'll I start wanna... right there. Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. A great topic. Our guest is here. I'm really to, looking forward to, to this. To jump yes. into that. Uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Kansas City won. But what does that mean for the stock market? Is there Are there any Super Bowl um, implications or indicators? So there is the Super Bowl indicator. And in doing my research, I, I didn't realize it was created by a New York, New York Times sports writer back in 1978. And the thesis is that if the uh, team from the uh, American Football League wins, yeah, the Dow Jones Industrial Average will end the we- the year down. If if the Eagles had won, the Dow would end the year up. Now, this is absolutely meaningless. It's been right seventy three percent of the time. At least that's oh. the track record so far. But it's absolutely meaningless. But it's kind of fun to think about. I never heard that. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those fun things, and now you can forget about it because it has absolutely no, nothing to do with the real world. Okay. Something that is real: the consumer price uh, data. Uh, that information for January released tomorrow. So what can we expect? What do you think? Well, this is you know, this is the inflation number, and the consensus expectation is not going to be a bad number, but it's not going to be one of those numbers, Angela, where you get up and cheer and say, oh, this is all going <laughs> in like the right do. direction. That's what we would like to really do. Um, there's a survey of, of economists by Bloomberg, and uh, they had the annual inflation rate running at 6.2% in January, and that would be down from 6.5% the previous month. Um, but this is the post-pandemic economy. Everybody is nervous about their forecasts. There is a sense that it's just not going to be as good a number because we have slightly higher prices for energy, used cars, and also, mm-hmm. you know, these price pressures. I don't know if you saw the report here in the Twin Cities. You know, prices are still high in the housing market, despite all the turmoil in the housing market. And so what does all of this mean for Fed policy, do you think? So I think in terms of Fed policy in the short term, the Fed is just going to stay the course. It has been striking. We've talked about this where, you know, the Fed governors and the Fed presidents are out there. They're really talking the same message about they're, they're still too wary. And there was a uh, moderated panel was the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. And Fed Chair Jerome Powell, you know, he said, you know, he was reacting to that really good jobs report, the 517,000, mm-hmm. the 3.4% unemployment rate. You know, he said, look, this... It just convinces us that this process of leaning against inflation, having higher interest rates, it's just going to go on longer than we would like. And so, you know, my guess is that that uh, that's the right stance to take. But they're still probably going to be more cautious. They're going to be more, more slow than they were in 2022. Are we seeing global economic growth? 
So here's there's a new conversation. Now, we've talked a lot. How much have we talked about the recession, the risk of recession? There's going to be a risk of recession. Sort of a new strand of conversation is kind of emerging. And what it is, it's about, you know, that's, that's stronger than expected employment report. Uh, and, you know, consumer spending, okay, it's still pretty strong. It's still pretty healthy. Maybe this economy is more resilient than we think. Perhaps the economy will skip a recession, even as it takes inflation comes down lower, slower, but still goes lower in 2023. And then there's some other signs. China has... uh uh, you know, they dropped their COVID policy and China is opening up. So that economy really is coming back onto the world stage. Uh, Europe has, it, it's really remarkable if you consider, got a little bit of luck on the weather side, but really how Europe, uh, despite uh, its previous energy dependence on Russia, really has created a lot of independent energy independence. Looks like most of Europe is going to skip a recession. Mm. So there's this conversation that's out there about maybe we should reevaluate, you know, how good this economy is and the prospects for a recession. But I'm still hearing news about layoffs, a lot of layoffs, especially in the, the high tech sector. Um, most recently, I think I read Disney laying off 7,000 people, 3% of its workforce. What's going on? So there's a couple things going on with the high tech sector. You know, there is the story is I, it, it's sort of a simple story, which is that during the pandemic and we all went online. Mm-hmm. And so there was mm-hmm. all this hiring and there really was a sense of an enormous step up. We were all embracing this digital economy. And, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I'm always struck how crowded the grocery store is now. People just went back to the grocery store as opposed to oh, ordering the way they were doing the online delivery before. delivery and pickup services, right? We're so back. The, so the mm-hmm. high-tech industry is really adjusting to an environment where we are more in line than we were before but just not as much as it seemed it was going to be back in 2020, 2021. So you had those layoffs. But, Angela, that's high tech's about 2% of the workforce. Then you yeah. offset that. When you look what's happening in hospitality, leisure, restaurants, bars, uh, that's about 36% of the workforce. And there is hiring, hiring going there. on. They're mm-hmm. hiring everywhere. So we see these high-tech uh, jobs uh, being lost. And I always, and I, and I always want to make really clear, I feel for the people who lose their jobs. It, you know, we're making an economic discussion here. You lose your job. It's horrible. But from an economy-wide point of view, there's still a lot of hiring going on. And the other thing is the anecdotal evidence we have. If you lose your job in the high-tech sector, and again, that's terrible, you're going to get rehired pretty fast. Because you have skills. You have skills. And you have the skills, skills that people want. Right. You may not go, go back. You may not go from Google to Facebook, but you may go to United Healthcare. It's a healthcare company, but really, if you look at their business, mm-hmm. it's all information technology. And Chris, you and I haven't had a chance on the air to talk about uh, the State of the Union message last week that President Biden delivered. What did you take away from the State of the Union, at least in terms of economics? So there are two takeaways. One is, you know, it's considering this message that the Biden administration has been doing about building up industrial America, the reindustrialization of the U.S. A lot of it has to do with green investments and the green economy, but it also has, you know, the term you probably heard about reshoring, trying to get more manufacturing to be done out of this country, getting uh, the semiconductor industry to be opening more plants here in the U.S. So it's kind of a a bottom-up building of worker skills, worker opportunities. That was the one message. The other message, which really matters in, in economic terms, was the 
famous uh, what dialogue exchange? I guess, exchange. I'm not quite sure what uh, happened there. <laughs> where uh, you know he was saying you know we're going to protect Social Security and Medicare, but some some Republicans would like to cut it. He was called a liar, and there's this back and forth. But the end result of that back and forth is he goes, hey, you know, I'm glad to see that nobody wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. So that is now removed completely off the table during this fake negotiations over the debt ceiling limit that's going on. That's completely off the table. And it's off the table in terms of the discussion for the next couple of years. All right. Well, Chris, uh, always enjoy your updates uh, on the latest headlines, helping us to understand them better. We will chat again about this next week, next Monday. But right now, we're going to talk about something else. Well, this morning, I want to spend some time talking about your paycheck. Yes, I want to know about your money. I know it sounds rude, doesn't it? It can be pretty uncomfortable talking about our money. For years, many of us were taught that it is just rude to talk about how much we get paid. It is private information. But a lot of people want to change that. Advocates for pay transparency say it can help address discrimination in pay and help to close the wage gap. Research shows that on average, women are paid less than men. People of color get paid less than white people. Since January, California, Washington and Rhode Island are the latest states to have some form of job transparency law. And they join the states of Colorado, Connecticut, Maryland, Nevada and some cities in Ohio and New York. The laws are different depending on the place. Now, in California and Ohio, employers have to tell the person who's offered the job the salary if they ask for it. In Washington state, the salary range is posted in the job description. And under Minnesota law, employees can share their wages and the employer can't punish them for that. As I discuss this, I want to hear from you. Have you talked with your colleagues about how much money you make? Why or why not? And how would pay transparency at your workplace help you, do you think? The phone lines are open, and here's the number to call. You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000, or call us at 800-242-2828. You can also leave me a message on Twitter. I'm at Angela Davis NPR. We have a guest in the studio with us today to help us with this conversation about pay transparency. Maggie Thomas is here. Maggie is the executive director of the Carlson Business Career Center at the University of Minnesota. Thank you, Maggie, for coming in. Hi, thanks for having me. I love an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> I'll just warn, we'll start okay, with that. Okay, great, let's have it. So, and this does make me uncomfortable. This The idea of pay transparency, I understand it, but I also know um, just the idea, the thought of talking about my salary, your salary, it seems like like the wrong thing to do, mm-hmm. rude, just like too much information. What, what do you think that came from? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, money in itself and salary is tied up in either pride or inadequacy. And that's all based on, you know, the way we grew up and what we think about it. And I think oftentimes there's a lot of etiquette associated with it. We were taught that we don't want to ever make anyone uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. so talking about salary could make others uncomfortable if they're not in the same band as you. I also think, though, that it's tied up in this idea of power, right? More information, if the, the, the parties in power have more information, then it's keeping the, the workers or, or the workforce down, right? So, mm-hmm. so again, back to knowledge is power. It's tied up in both that comfort piece and that power piece. So 
are attitudes changing about it, though? Because I feel like I'm in my mid 50s, but younger folks don't have the sort of same issues. Um, have we seen like there's been somewhat of a generational divide or a shift in how we talk about? 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. We have seen um, that, I mean, studies show that in the single percentages of baby boomers are comfortable with this conversation, whereas Gen Z, almost 50% are discussing their salary with their friends and their colleagues. Um, and, you know, part of this is due to, I think, Gen Z's commitment to pay equity as a diversity, equity, and inclusion importance. But also, I think it's due to the fact that they share their entire lives online, right? They share yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. People are more comfortable talking about mental illness, right? It's a way of being transparent to make make people aware mm-hmm. of, of everything, of their whole selves. And so when we talk about pay transparency, what are we really talking about? I mean, what does that look like in practice? Like, I'm not coming in. Good morning, Maggie. <laughs> Let me share with you <laughs> what my direct deposit looked like. Last yeah, time. Right. I mean, it's not that. What no, is it? I think for the employer, it's the degree that we're that they're open about their salary. So that could be posting it on a job posting the range as they're looking for prospective candidates, or it could be having pay bands, and every single employee knows where they are in the pay bands and what the reason for those pay bands are and what the salary range for that pay band is. Or it could be what's that, a what's a pay band? Yeah. Like, so depending on your range? yeah a pay a pay range for each kind of job family within an organization. So we're seeing more and more organizations have pay bans. They're very transparent about what those are and what qualifications sort of fit into that pay band. It mm-hmm. also can, from the employer side, look like if an employee asks what my salary range is and how it fits in with someone else, that that matches. From the employee side, it refers to the ease at which they have access to the information of where their salary falls in line with their peers. And so who who has benefited from us in general, really not talking openly about our salaries in the workplace? Who benefits from that? The employer. The employer, the employer benefits because if, again, back to knowledge is power, like that, that mm-hmm. way you can, um, you, you don't have, you, you can pay people based on negotiations. You can pay mm-hmm. people based on, um, who they know. You can pay, pay people based on, on multiple things. So it does, it does, uh, benefit the employer and not the worker. And I do think that that is why there's been a hesitancy towards that. And when we talk about pay transparency, um, what's the, the connection to, to discrimination in pay. And maybe that that's kind of it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, the the link between discrimination is that if, if an employer is forced or asked or starts to be transparent about their pay, they're going to have to ha- take a long, hard look at what their compensation practices are. And they're going to be less likely to pay more based on negotiation or based on what school you went to or based on who you know. They're going to have to be really clear about that because if they're transparent about their pay and they're not sticking to a standardized compensation practice, it's going to be very clear where there's bias and if there's inadequacies based on gender, race, or orientation. And if they're transparent about their pay, it's also going to encourage everyone to advocate for what they deserve and and to get towards that part of the range that they feel like they deserve. But shouldn't we be paying people what they deserve anyway? Yes. <laughs> I just want to say that. Right? But that's, Absolutely. That's not reality. That's not reality. Okay. If you're just joining us, we're talking about pay transparency, sharing salary information in the workplace. Have you talked with your colleagues about how much you make? Why or why not? And, and how would pay transparency at your workplace help you, do you think? Call us at 651-227-6000 or you can call 800 242 
28. Uh, Maggie, we're going to take some phone calls from listeners okay. who want to join the conversation. So let's go to Maple Grove. And I think this is, is this Eli who's on the line? Yes. Hi, good morning, Eli. What do you want to share with us as we talk about paychecks? Yeah, I, um, I disagree on sharing information about a paycheck or payments because if you do that, then uh, you expect in everybody to get exactly the same pay. And honestly, I think we should work hard to get races, not just because the next guy makes more. I should make the same amount of him, you know, and then, uh, I mean, yeah, people like to, to talk about discrimination and this and that. I'm Mexican and mm-hmm. I make a lot more money than more uh, than my colleagues. You know, I don't feel discriminatory about this, but I work hard for my. For Eli, my uh, how for how my, do you know you make more than them if you're not talking about it? How do you know that? <laughs> because they like to talk about it. I don't share my information, but they like to talk about it. But, you know, when I see uh, most of my colleagues, you know, they don't do work work. They don't work hard, you know. Um, it, you know, it's, everything is negotiable. We live in a country that everything is negotiable. If you're not happy with what you make, mm-hmm. you bring it up to the boss, tell them, hey, this is what, what I want in my demands. If you don't like it, I go somewhere else. If I work hard, I know I will, I will get higher, and I will, you know, you know, you, you know your value. You know what uh, what you can make, um, you know, according to your skills, mm-hmm. uh, not according to performance. Uh, you know, your race or stuff like that. You know. Okay, you know, our, our guest wants to talk about this. Thank you for calling yeah. and sharing that information. Uh, what do you want to say? Yeah, to what, what thank Eli you, thank Maggie. you, Eli, for your question. I think it's a great question. I think one of the things that you mentioned is that your coworkers like to talk about it. And one of the things that we found is that when employers are transparent about what pay is, people gossip about pay a lot less in the office because everyone feels like it's transparent and it's above board, and they don't need need to waste as much time talking about who's get pay, getting paid what. Another thing that I thought you brought up that was really important, though, is shouldn't hard work have something to do with it? Like if if I'm working harder, I want to get paid more. And if there's these rigid bands, maybe I'm not going to get paid that. I think employers can, if they are very transparent and clear about the performance to reward program um, and really objective about it, it makes it really easy for people to work hard and know what they need to do to work up to that next raise. So I don't think it, it will um, prohibit people from working harder and getting paid more. But I think that's a really great question. I'm just envisioning uh, Eli sitting at, at his desk and <laughs> smiling as everyone's talking about <laughs> More. <laughs> I'm working hard and making more. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Eli, for calling. Uh, another phone call. This is in uh, South Dakota. April is on the phone this morning. Hi, April. What do you want to tell us about pay transparency? Well, you know, I take 15 years ago working for a company and pointing out that I they just hired someone to replace me who happened to be male and have no experience and had just been fired from a lower position and rehired in the same company. And he was complaining about how little he was getting paid. And it was like $7 more than I was with seven years experience and Mm. awesome record. Mm. Pointing that out to the director, they gave me, I think, a dollar, $2 an hour raise and then cut my overtime, which effectively gave me a $600 a week pay cut Mm. for the same amount of work. So fast forward today, and I am very part time with the same company, like emergencies only, and I get to dictate my wage, which is wonderful, but weird. And I listened to high school kids who had just been hired with no experience, and some of them were 16 and 17, getting paid dollars an hour more than full-time staff that have been there for 15 mm. and 20 years. Mm. And then we wonder why we can't retain employees. <laughs> it's like, 
And you know, uh, we're April... hiring high school kids who are loud and obnoxious about what they get paid for dollars more than full-time staff. It blows my mind. April, what kind of work are we talking about? Is this uh It's a retail trade. A retail trade. Okay. It's a grocery store. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. April in South Dakota. Uh, uh, Maggie, what do you hear there? Yeah, I do think that what you're bringing up is a common um, concern for employers in the push towards transparency is, you know, we, we bring people in at new employees at market value because they do their research, they go on Glassdoor, they go on Payscale, they go on Transparent Career, and they can find out what market value is. And we have to bring that them in at this level to be competitive. And what happens when they're actually getting paid more than someone who's worked here for 15 years and only gets an annual 2 to 3% increase? That is a concern of employers. And that is why I think when you push for pay transparency, it's throughout the company, right? Like it doesn't just start with the postings. It goes all the way up through looking at those pay bands and those pay ranges. So it will be hard at first, right? Because it's going to it's gonna require you to pay everyone equitably. So I think that that's a good point that you bring up, and it is a concern for uh, employers. Let's look at some of the discrepancies that we have seen. I mean, we've seen wage gaps uh, for decades. They've persisted. Uh, in the introduction, I was talking about um, women and men and, and people of color. Uh, we know that overall, on average, women make about 86 cents for every dollar men make. Mm-hmm. And when you try or when you do break it down by race, the gap is even larger. Black women make 68 cents for every dollar the average man makes. And so, again, will these conversations, can it help address those gaps? Absolutely. In fact, studies show that pay transparency combined with the um, legal requirement that prohibits uh, employers from asking an applicant of their current or former pay, those coupled together do narrow the gap. If a company advertises pay, whether it's in the posting or whether it's current for current positions, if an employee is re- advocating for a raise or applying to a new job, women and people of color are going to be less likely to accept a lowball offer because they know where they fit into that range. Mm-hmm. It's going to give them confidence to negotiate at where they f- think they fit into the range. And it's going to require employers, again, to take a hard look at what their packages, what their compensation practices are, and if there are bias in them. Let's take another phone call as we talk about pay transparency, talking about how much money you make with your colleagues. Uh, have you done that? And, 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 and what how has that worked out? Why or why not? And and what do you think about pay transparency at your workplace? Do you think it would help you? Call us at 651-227-6000, or you can call 800-242-2828. Before we go to news, let's uh, take another phone call. We've got Bernadia on the line from Minneapolis. And is, is this Bernadia Johnson, the former school superintendent? <laughs> maybe we just lost Bernadia. Okay, maybe she'll call us back. Uh, let's read a written comment uh, here. Um, Maggie, our guest uh, in Minneapolis, Mary writes this, I think it's important to talk about other areas of hidden pay like perks and bonuses. And we did get into that, like make it clear, like, mm-hmm. okay, this is the salary band, the, the, the pay mm-hmm. band, the range. But if you want to make more this is exactly what it looks like, what you have to do. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you need to be really clear about how you how one get raises, how how you move into a different pay band. I also think employers, there's, there's many things that come into an employment package, mm-hmm. including benefits, uh, parental benefits, 401k, paid time off, work format. Is it is it fully virtual? Is it hybrid? Mm-hmm. Um, the more transparent employers can be around these package, the whole package that goes into it, again, the more appealing and more it'll be to the applicant or the current employee and the more human you will make them feel because you're being very transparent about what's included in each job at each level. And paid time off. Very Paid valuable. time off. Yes, right? really okay. important. Back to the phone lines. I'm told uh, we have Bernadia again uh, in Minneapolis. Good morning, Bernadia. What do you want to share with us about pay transparency? Well, I 
share. I'm sorry, I got disconnected earlier. That's okay. I want to share that uh, I was in a position as a female making forty thousand dollars less than the person hired after me. But that's that's neither here nor there. What I wanted to talk about is the idea of compensation study. And I work in the public educational system because there were some complaints and concerns that there were inequitable pay being uh, done throughout the organization. Now, what's interesting about that, I shifted the culture to talk about total compensation, not just the the gross salary or the net salary that people made. And it blew people's minds because when you think about that added benefit, usually, especially in negotiations of contracts, people want to talk about this is the salary they get, but what, what they weren't taking into consideration, the total compensation package, mm-hmm. which includes all those other things that are hidden in the contract that are not very transparent. So I'm all for transparency. Mm-hmm. Valuable. The, the whole, all the benefits all the we benefits, talked about. Yeah. As we talked about. That, that, benefits, that benefit piece is huge. And we'll often talk to employers um, that are going to post at the Carlson School about including everything. When you're talking about that salary, also include the health benefits and what that amounts to, right? Because new newer applicants aren't used to looking at an entire package. So if you right. can really spell that out for them, for them to see what they're getting, it, again, will help them make a better decision and it'll help you have maybe a employee that is retained for a long time. And that's the goal. Call us at 651-227-6000. And right now, let's uh, go back to the phone lines and take a call from uh, Mankato. This is Ken, who's on the line. Good morning, Ken. What do you want to tell us about this? Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And I'm a former employer. I'm retired now. Mm -hmm. But I owned a small uh, manufacturing company where we employed like welders and fabricators and material handlers, <clears throat> painters and stuff like that, and had a shop of about 80 employees, but we always stressed wage confidentiality. <clears throat> and we did, did that because uh, the human condition there, people, people always think they're as good as or better than the next guy. <laughs> when it's not always true, and I think it's up to the employer to judge how much his employee is worth. So if you got a guy that kicks out a lot more than another guy, you pay that guy more because you want to keep him. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the ones that don't kick out as much <clears throat> in production, then you want them uh, to make less money because they're not earning you as much money. And, of course, in today's labor market, we, we'd like to all hire all the greatest people in the world, but, you know, you can't. You, you have a range of, of production on people. Some people might kick out two widgets an hour. Some might kick out four widgets an hour, whatever. But they all think they're, they're as good as the next guy. So it's really you. hard to... I hear you. Thank you. Uh, that's Ken in Mankato uh, giving us the perspective of a, a business owner. He uh, was all about wage confidentiality, yeah. and he, he told us why. And Ken, I think that your concern is really valid and it's one that I've heard before. And again, I think that if you make it really clear why 
how someone could achieve more. Again, if you if you spit out four widgets an hour, you will bump to this pace, right? If you make it really, really objective and it's completely based on performance and productivity, then it wouldn't need to be quite a secret. I understand what you mean that everyone thinks that they're working as hard as the next guy. But I think if you can make it really, really clear and make it objective based on performance, you can share it. And I do have to say that it's often hard if we just leave it up to our human selves to identify who's the hardest worker. It's really hard to tell where our bias are. It's really, really hard. So if you make it really objective, based so you on define this is what success looks like. Yes, define right? exactly. But uh, I get it. Like if I'm making four widgets an hour and you're next to me making two, shouldn't I make more money than you? Right. And so if you're noticing that that you know these are the skills that it takes to get to four widgets an hour, then then getting consistently to four widgets an hour, then you get in this band, right? Like I think it's being objective about what that productivity is. And isn't part of this too a, a management issues? Like what yeah. is in place to ensure that people are, you know, sharing the load equally. Yeah, it's up to managers. And I also think that um, one of the concerns that employers bring up about transparency is it puts a lot more on the manager, the supervisor, right? Because if every, because then they're going to have their um, employees coming to them, why is X paid more than me? So if you also have a really great training program for managers on how to evaluate performance, how to, how to explain it and make it really, really clear to employees that these, why the pay bans exists, and here's where you get to the next productivity levels to get raises, etc. And isn't that why you're paid a management salary to manage? (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So for the past year and a half, I know that you have been tracking which companies post salary ranges for open jobs. Uh, Maggie, what have you found out in doing this research? Yeah. yeah. We've been tracking for the past uh, year and a half. And what we've... uh, The Carlson School. At the Carlson Mm -hmm. School. Yeah. At the the Business Career Center. So 13% of the postings that... So employers come to us and they post jobs, they interview on campus for students. 13% of those post salary salary ranges. That is an increase from last 13%. year. 13%. That's an increase from 10%. So we're, we're moving in the right direction, but it's by no means huge. Mm-hmm. However, um, it's, it's steady with what I've seen at the national average. However, that is increasing year over year. An interesting fact is that LinkedIn posted that between January 2021 and January 2022, there was a 50% increase in the number of companies that posted job ranges. So we're seeing it again move in the right direction. And our goal is to track this year over year and see it consistently increase. And the way that we're hoping it increases is by every time we talk to an employer who says, hey, can I post or can I come and engage with Carlson students? We really strongly encourage them to post those pay ranges and those benefit packages um, as a commitment to show their commitment to diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. I, I sense you feel protective of your students and yep, your job. Exactly. You oversee the career center. So you're connecting uh, students uh, about to graduate to employers. Um, because it matters, right? Yeah, it matters. And again, knowledge is power and not... Um, information is affection. And information <laughs> is affection. I love that. I'm going to use that. Um, yeah, it, it's really important for them to know where they stand. And, you know, students knowing what pay ranges are, right. uh, for it helps them identify, yes, this is a company I want because it fits into my financial goals. It helps them when they get an offer to know, oh, here I am in this pay range and I'll know how to negotiate and I'll know how to not ask for too much. And frankly, it also eliminates any gossip among students on who's making what. It eliminates gossip in the internship and gossip and onboarding because everyone it's been transparent across the board everyone knows what everyone's making and they need to know like can i can i afford yes. this job can i continue to pay rent yeah. do i need a roommate do like how far do i need yeah. to live right is, is it, yes is this going to fit into all oh. of my needs and what we've also noticed and is it increasing um more it, like for example we when you post 
uh, pay ranges. We're getting more women introduced in, interested in finance, right? It's opening up pools because you're being able to see what right. that pay range are. It's, oh, I can see myself there. Those are my financial goals. It's right. not based on who you know about that industry to know to apply to that industry because it pays more. Let's take another phone call as we talk about pay transparency. Uh, getting a call from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. This is Jenna on the line. Hey, Jenna, what do you want to tell us? Good morning. Hi. Yeah, I used to, I got a job at a dental office as a receptionist, and I was talking about my pay, and I was told to stop talking about my pay because I was making more money than the dental assistant or the other receptionist. As someone who was newly hired, um, obviously the dental assistant role, it does require certification, Mm -hmm. but... I could see how that was frustrating for my colleague. Um, And then some of my other colleagues, um, this was a bilingual practice. So with other people coming from different backgrounds, um, they felt scared to talk, speak Mm -hmm. up about their pay because they were just grateful to have a job in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the discomfort that can come from this. I mean, in in a real-life situation. Thank you, Jenna, for, for sharing that story. Um, you know, it, it it can have consequences, right? You may not be thinking that it's anything bad about talking yeah. about what you make. but It absolutely can. I mean, coming in right away and talking about it, you don't know where you're going to stand. And that's where we talked about in the beginning. It comes from uncomfort. If you're making more or less than the people you're talking to about it, it does add to uncomfort. But sometimes uncomfortable conversations have to happen, right, to mm-hmm. move in the right direction. To, and and mm-hmm. in this case, uh, but it completely makes sense. And, I, and again, the concern that you brought up is that sometimes more of the senior people who have been there longer end up actually making less than the new hires because the new hires are paid right. at market. You know, in the introduction, I stated that in Minnesota, that employees can share their wage information and the employer is really restricted from punishing them uh, for that. But um, how is that enforced? I mean, it still seems like there could be some consequences uh, for doing so. I'm I'm sure there can legally mm-hmm. there shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there can. I haven't heard about any um, from from my point of view where, where I stand. Okay, um, and one other thing we talk as we talk about laws. Uh, some states and cities have passed laws that require companies mm-hmm. post the salary ranges for jobs. And so, are, are they hearing what what folks are saying? Like, tell us upfront. Uh, what we can expect. Yeah, I th- I, and in everything that I've read, the states that required and, and New York City, which requires it as a metro area, posting them to pay the to, to post the pay range, it's all in a commitment towards pay equity and to close that pay gap. Um, and so any company that's based in these areas has to post the salary for everyone to see. And I love it because to me, it's just more... Um, more insight and information to share with employers that post with us. Hey, you compete for talent at this company based in New York City. They're posting their pay range. You might want to do that too because posting a pay range shows your commitment to equity. And, you know, students want transparency. So I love that it's happening because it's helping make the case for for us. Let's talk to more of our our listeners. Uh, Let's take a phone call from Lake Elmo where Brandon is on the phone. Hey, Brandon, what do you want to tell us about paychecks and, and pay transparency? Thank you for taking my phone call. I just had a quick question or something maybe you guys could comment on. Um, is there a difference between places or companies that are union versus non-union? Have we noticed that that transparency is more obvious there? I'm union, and so we have a pay ban, I think is what you guys had referred to it earlier. So everyone kind of knows where they're going to sit based on their assignments and their roles. But is that 
helping man- maintain or create that equity across the board. And then as additional to that, is this helping push the unionization that we're seeing across the country right now? What is the impact? Thank you, uh, Brandon. They're calling from Lake Elmo. Uh, what is the impact of uh, being in a union? Yeah, I mean, unions, to your point, unions have had this practice for a long time. I haven't seen it increase the unionization across, but I have seen that practice because it is straightforward and equitable, um, go into the private sector, into non-unionized roles and companies as well. All right, let's uh, take another phone call. In Minneapolis, we have uh, Imogene on the line. And and Imogene, what do you want to tell us as we talk about paychecks and, and pay transparency? Yes, thank you. Um, firstly, I want to urge young people joining the workforce to be really suspicious of employers who <laughs> try to keep salary information secret. Not only is it illegal, it's a pretty good sign that they have something to hide. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that situation, I want to really urge you to start talking to your coworkers about pay and start talking about maybe forming a union. Um, you know, employers would much rather negotiate with individuals who have no protections than with a collective. Um, And, you know, once you start talking about your pay, you also start talking about your work conditions and you can start talking about gender equity and saying, huh, I wonder why the lowest paid person at this progressive nonprofit is a black woman. And, you know, there is so much alarmism around unions right now. And a lot of that is coming from employers like the one that called in earlier who are really scared to have their staff start talking about getting paid what they're worth. Mm. Thank you. That's Imogene mm-hmm. calling in. Um, and she says, young people be yeah. suspicious when there's a lot of secrecy around. And Imogene, I think that that is exactly what is happening. So um, Gen Z, more than 80% of Gen Z is likely to apply to a company that posts benefit and pay packages because it feels transparent. It fe- it doesn't feel suspicious. It feels like they're treating them um, as a human. And again, to your point, um, you know, pay transparency is the first step towards looking towards inequities um, across the board um, companies. Let's take another phone call in St. Paul. Jay is on the phone. Jay, thank you for calling. What do you want to tell us about pay transparency? Thank you very much for taking my phone call. Um, I just want to note that when we're talking about um, employees' rights to discuss their rates of pay, if employees are covered under the National Labor Relations Act, which is generally hourly employees and also includes some low-level supervisory employees, it's a violation of the National Labor Relations Act for employers to prohibit them from discussing their rates of pay or their working conditions. Those discussions are considered to be protected concerted activity under the Act. All right. Thank you, Jay, for sharing that with us. Uh, So, Maggie, how does pay transparency impact productivity and and turnover? Um, You've said that, like, well, if if you're just transparent about what people are making Mm -hmm. and folks know, then then folks will devote less time to gossiping about it. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. So if they're not for one, you coming into a role, you know what you're paid, you feel like it was it's a fair pay, you said yes to it, you're going to hit the ground running and you're not going to worry about what the person next to you is making. That might make you unproductive. You know, we do, we talk a lot about motivation and what motivates people in a in a job. And money can be a demotivator if you feel like you're not getting paid fairly. Otherwise, and, and it become can become a detractor, right? You're not going to concentrate on your work as much. So that's what I mean. It's not you're not going to have to waste time to figure out where you stand. Instead, you get know where you stand and you just get to start working. It also builds trust um, between you and the employer. Um, and you have a really trustful, open relationship. You're going to want to work harder for a company you believe in that you feel like is treating you like a human. I want some practical advice about 
um, having this conversation because mm-hmm. um, we've stated it, it can be uncomfortable, yeah. seen yeah. as rude. Uh, what advice do you have for people who are nervous or uncomfortable about talking about how much they get paid or inquiring or asking a colleague, you know, yeah. like, what is your salary range? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you want to talk first. I would start with someone that you trust, right? Like I would talk with a colleague that you built a relationship. I wouldn't go on on day one and mm-hmm. start asking everyone. I would talk to a colleague that you trust, um, start to talk about maybe introduce some research that you've done that you see that your positions, um, you know, nationally, this is the average of the pay. And gosh, how do you fe- how do you feel like you fit in on this? You know, starting mm-hmm. with research and data is a great place to start. It makes it comfortable for everyone and it can make it feel more objective. The same goes if you bring this up with your employer. Right. If you want to talk to your employer, whether it's to inquire where you stand, um, some of the laws that some of the states that we talked about that are having more transparency um, include that if an employee asks you about um, the pay of their colleagues, you have to share with them. Start with data. Um, and before you ask, that'll bring confidence and it keeps the uh, conversation objective and feeling a little bit less personal, which can make it a little bit more comfortable for everybody. And again, the trend that we are seeing um, from the work that you're doing at, at the Carlson School is more companies are making those pay ranges, the salary ranges public, that they're yes. putting it in the job description. So yes. that tells us a, a lot. What does it tell us? Well, I think it tells us that they're seeing, frankly, I think it's telling us that there's, there's a couple of things that benefit the employer while they're doing this. One, it showcases their commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, it showcases their, their commitment to narrowing the pay gap. Two, it, when you're transparent about this, it makes, it wastes, it doesn't waste anyone's time, right? You're going to get a candidate pool that is happy with that salary range and feels comfortable with it, and therefore mm-hmm. they're going to apply. And it's not going to waste the job seeker's time either, right? Um, so I think that we're seeing them for both reasons. Like, I'll post this range so I get an applicant pool that's okay with this range, and I'll post it to showcase my commitment to this cause. So you're starting that relationship at a, at a healthier place. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, we've been talking about pay transparency with Maggie Thomas. Maggie is the executive director of the Carlson Business Career Center at the University of Minnesota. Thank Thank you for your time, Maggie, and thank you for everybody who called and uh, shared your stories, reminding you that it is our winter member drive here at NPR News. And right now, every donation also provides 15 meals to Minnesotans facing food insecurity through our partnership with Second Harvest Heartland. So donate today at NPRnews.org or call us at 800-227-2811. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.